Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coffeehouse Questions with Ryan Polly. Now, if you remember all the way back, about three weeks ago, to the interview I had with Tim Stratton from Free Thinking Ministries, we spent two weeks discussing Molinism, Calvinism, and Arminianism. Molinism, the idea that most people are unaware of in that kind of debate. Uh, actually, I guess the first week was talking about his time in youth ministry and leading into seeing the importance of apologetics and theology with students. And then week two, part two, discussing the Calvinism, Arminianism, and Molinism debate. Now, obviously, that was much too much to cover in only 30 minutes, especially when there's just a lot of basics that need to be kind of hammered out. And so uh, if you were listening to those episodes, uh, I think it was three weeks ago, uh, we ended very, very abruptly. He dropped kind of a bomb, talked about some really big, heady stuff, and then had to stop. And we simply just ran out of time. And the good news, and that I did mention, is the good news is that the uh, conversation continued on Facebook Live. It was st- it was recorded, and it is now being played for you today. And so I did take a two-week break. I uh, kind of got away from that, maybe to clear our heads a little bit on the issue. Hopefully some questions will come in. Uh, but now we are going back to that interview, part three. Uh, this was unplanned, unscripted, not really any questions, and so much more authentic. I tried to already have authentic interviews, but much more authentic, I think. And so Hopefully you enjoy it, but it does jump right into a point of confusion as we I realize I have more questions. We're out of time. What are we going to do? So I hope you enjoy the continuation of the interview with Tim Stratton of Free Thinking Ministries. Wow. Um, you know, I think I, I mean, even I have a lot more questions, so. Do you, yeah. Are we still on Facebook? Are we still? On, We're what? still on Facebook. Yeah, so I mean, uh, the podcast is done. Yeah. Yeah. So the podcast is done. So I guess, you know, Facebook people, a reason to, uh get a little bit more. Um, but, uh, so I guess, I don't know. I, I just lost my train of thought of where I was thinking like with the that. Like backwards but, causation stuff? Or... Well, yeah, and that kind of even comes up to what Kendall talked about a little bit of this idea of can, uh, can counterfactuals of creaturely freedom kind of exert retroactive causal changes? And, and then how does this work with God's, um, you know, being sovereign over history? I just think that, you know, what a lot of students have a hard time with is just the idea that if God knows what I will choose, even if it's freely, but then how does, can that be freely? It, it seems that I am living this track and you say, well, you could do anything, but then God would know that. Well, then, it, you know, that's where I get it. And it's hard to explain it is, where they have that hard yeah. time of, oh. of understanding it. I mean, yeah, it is hard to explain, and that's one of the reasons why I just didn't accept Molinism the first time I heard it, or I heard about it. I mean, I, in fact, the first time I heard about Molinism, I tried to disprove it, and in fact, um, first heard about it from William Lane Craig. Uh, when I first got into apologetics, I was watching all of his debates with atheists, and I was watching his debate with Christopher Hitchens on YouTube, and I can't remember the what the exact topic was, but Hitchens was trying to put Dr. Craig in some corner. He basically said something like, well, give me one thing that you disagree with most other Christians about, or a lot of other Christians. And Dr. Craig took a moment and he's like, well, I don't think Calvinism's true. And, and I was like, <laughs> what? No, you've got to be a Calvinist. You're the smartest guy I've ever seen. And now you're rejecting yeah. the most, you know, the, the best part about Christianity, you know? And uh, <laughs> so I immediately started uh, searching what view William Lane Craig holds and all this stuff on Molinism started popping up. And uh, my wife and I had 
thought a lot about uh, how to reconcile God's sovereignty and human responsibility in the past. And I recommend an article uh, called Molinism Saves Marriages on my website. People And I saw to, that. Uh, I even heard Dr. Craig mention that on his uh, podcast. He did. He, he read yeah. a big portion of it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was. So I, I started looking at Molinism. I didn't accept it right away at all. I rejected it. And I, I wanted to show why it was false. And I spent probably over a year with it trying to disprove it before it hit me. And I was like, it's starting to make sense. And it started to make sense during the Super Bowl one year. I think it was the one where the Packers won. So whatever uh, year that was, was the year I would say I finally started thinking Molinism was probably true or some flavor of it anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is hard to understand. And, you know, that was back whenever the Packers won. That was years ago. Um, and I... And I keep learning more and more about it. So it's some of these deeper issues and how how does God's middle knowledge allow? So I get into prayer. I mean, I think Molinism really provides the best model or foundation to understand how prayer actually makes a difference. And so I say, well, God created a world in which he knows how Ryan w- uh, would freely pray, uh, pray or not pray uh, if he created him. Uh, God creates and now he knows how Ryan will freely pray or not pray. So I always say, hey, if you're wondering what world God created, then pray and find out. <laughs> or you can choose not to and find out, but it's your choice. So if you're yeah. wondering, man, did God create a world in which I pray? Well, find out. Pray. It's up to yeah. you. It is up to you. It's not, a, you know, he's not causally determining you to pray or not pray. He simply knows what you will freely do. And a good way to to illustrate this is first to point out that knowledge does not stand in causal relation. Yes. And a common example that's used is imagine, you know, put on your uh, philosophical thought experiment hat or your philosopher's hat to do a thought experiment. And imagine if you would an infallible weather barometer, right? So this, this weather barometer is so great. You can type in any coordinate, uh, any coordinates on this planet uh, along with any date, into the infinite future, and it'll spit out the perfect weather forecast for you. It's never wrong. So you want to know what the weather in Spain is going to be 10 years from today. So you type out uh, those coordinates and the date a decade from now, and it says this. uh, In 10 years from today, it will rain in Spain. And so, like, great. Well, you wait 10 years, and lo and behold, it rained in Spain. Question. Did that infallible weather barometer cause the rain in Spain simply because it knew it would rain in Spain? Of course not. There's no causal connection there. The weather barometer knew what the weather would do 10 years from, t- from now. And, yeah. and so, uh, but the weather barometer didn't cause it. There's no yeah. causal relation between this machine and, and the weather. So it's just, you know, is that a perfect analogy? Maybe not, but it, it gets us close, and it helps us to yeah, start thinking these things through. I like that analogy. I'll probably add it to my list. I, I like one I even heard, uh, I think, Greg Kokel present, where if you're walking down a street uh, on a dark night, mm-hmm. and you're about to hit the street corner, and there's a street light around the corner that is causing uh, to project a shadow of the person walking behind the wall. So you don't see the person, right? Yeah. You're at a street corner. The other person's walking towards the corner and the light is behind them. So their shadow comes around the corner before they do. You know that they will walk around that corner. 
because of the shadow, right? You have some yeah. sort of knowledge that they will walk around the corner, but does the fact that you now have knowledge that they will walk around the corner cause them to walk around the corner? And the oh. answer is no. Well, that's really right? good. I've never heard that before. Uh, yeah. And I'm, and then it's, yeah. well, they could turn around and walk away. Well, yeah, but then when you see their shadow going the other way, you know that they will walk away. <laughs> right, right, but right. your knowledge that they will walk away yeah. is not causing them to walk away. Mm -hmm. They don't even know that you're standing there. So your knowledge of what they will do based on a knowledge you have, their shadow, uh, does not cause them to do what they do. Yeah. No, that's good. I'm going to so, have to think about that one a little more. And Yeah, so that's one I've heard and I often kind of present. And I like, now, I like Greg a lot. He's five-point Calvinist, but he is also a Calvinist who affirms limited libertarian freedom yeah and so uh, you know i've had some great conversations with him about this and that's one thing yeah. i want to be able to sit down in the future with him and talk more about is is that you know i'm i'm a big follower of str i'm an affiliate of str yeah. i've listened to the str podcast for a very long time and and so again that's another thing that's got me thinking a lot is greg explains his view. I go, mm, man, how do I reconcile this with, with the things that I've thought? So I want to come back and I don't want to take up a ton of your time, but again, this is a little bonus content for Facebook right. and just for me. Uh, I've been telling people actually the last couple of weeks that ask on this issue, I'm like, you know, hold off those questions, listen to my podcast because I'm doing this interview that hopefully will clarify some stuff for me. But one of the, I think, objections maybe that people have uh, from uh, against Molinism or Arminianism with the irresistible grace is if God is calling us through the Holy Spirit and we have the ability to resist that, then how does that factor into God's omnipotence, that his power, his, you know, are we, you know, that he wants us to, like, is, is you know, because I even preached on the verse in uh, in Revelation chapter 3 where it's, you know, God is standing at the door and, and people always often take that to be, he's standing at the door of your heart knocking and wanting you to come in, to, you know, to save you. And, and that's not what it means. Because again, like, the, but this idea of like Jesus, like, please, please come. I'm I'm sending my Holy Spirit. Please come, and I can go. No, I don't want you. It, see, it, you know, some mm -hmm. may argue that that kind of turns God or Jesus into, you know, kind of like a beggar. And please, please, I'm I'm fighting yeah. so hard for you. How do we reconcile that with what we see in Scripture of, of you know, Paul on the road to Damascus, you know, where where God shows up and there's you're not doing anything about that. He is saving and you, you know, how, how do we reconcile those things, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I just say the road to Damascus was a pretty powerful influence, but we have no reason to think that he was causally determined at that point. Uh, it seems like uh, Paul at that point, I would just say, freely chose to stop resisting, but he still didn't have to. I mean, I can totally yeah. see how it's possible for him to continue shaking his fist. And say, so is God care. trying to save some people and they go, no, I don't want to. And God is still trying well, or, or does he, would you say because of his middle knowledge, he knows what they will freely choose. And then he's not sending his Holy spirit to them or, or how yeah. would you reconcile that? Um, man, what did I, I think Kirk McGregor once said something to me. Um, I think he said something. I don't want to put words in his mouth, so I'm not going to say it right here. Uh, but it was something to the effect of uh, God does try relentlessly even to save those who he knows will freely reject him. Um, but alas, God knows that they will freely reject him and he is never wrong or something like that. But uh, hmm. yeah, I might have I, I totally don't say don't take that and say Kirk McGregor said because I think I am. Yeah, messed that up. But uh, so. I do believe that God loves all people, that God is love. And by love, uh, that means he desires the best for all people. And 
And the best for all people is an eternal love relationship with their creator. That is, I mean, because that, that's eternal flourishing. When one, he, he, he desires all people to flourish for eternity. And the way to get that is a true love relationship with their creator and all other people. And I think uh, Jesus makes that clear in Matthew, where he says, uh, basically, I say, look, the purpose of life is summed up in two simple and easy to remember commands. Love God first and everything. Everybody love everybody, and that's from your neighbor to those who consider you to be an enemy. Um, it's all about love. But I argue that love requires libertarian freedom. And I've got articles on my website on this uh, where uh, arguing for this, uh, <laughs> we know it legally from our legal experiences. We know it philosophically. Um, that if one does not possess an ability to resist another, um, if you take that ability away, if you take the and you think about the date rape drug, nothing makes me more mad than thinking about uh, evil men who would put that date rape drug into a woman's drink, right? Well, that takes away their ability to resist. Um, and so every any time a person's ability to resist is taken away, even if that woman would have freely not resisted, <laughs> if the guy puts the the date rape drug in the drink, um, he has committed a crime. It's evil. It's rape. He needs to go to jail, right? He took her ability to resist or not to resist away. Now, now look, saying not resisting is not the same as saying you're making the, – the woman does not have to say to the man, yes, I accept you. Have your way with me. She never has to say, yes, I, I will have sex with you. Or, or what. She doesn't have to say that. But as soon as she says no or hints no or pushes away a little bit, as soon as any amount of resistance is applied, if the man continues, he's raping her, right? We know that's not love. That's rape. And so we just know that even legally. As soon as somebody's ability to resist is taken away, that's rape. As soon as somebody violates somebody's resistance, that's rape. That's not love. And so I think that God wants ultimate love with us. And so by that, it, it means that we've got to have the ability to resist his love or not. And But just because you don't resist doesn't mean you are actively accepting. And, I, and Kirk McGregor makes that clear in his monergistic Molinism. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because I think, I mean, a pushback that comes to mind on that is, is, well, we all understand that rape is a bad thing, right? So to force that upon someone uh, is not okay. But I, I think even this idea of... Um, uh, where maybe the difference is, well, what God is, is doing is actually for your goodness. It's for your benefit. Right. And so therefore it's a good thing. And then I would say uh, that he, he would force that do that him. for everybody. Yeah. And so then and in my dissertation, I talk a lot about this. So uh, like John Piper, for example, he, he says, well, God has these competing desires. God does love uh, everybody and he wants actually wants the best for everybody. But he's got another competing – he's got a competing desire, and it's his own glory. And because he also desires his own glory, that's a greater desire than his love for everybody. He's got to send the majority of humanity to hell so he can be glorified. And I was like, oh, that is horrible. That is a horrible view for several reasons, and I go through several reasons theologically, biblically, and philosophically why. Isn't that kind of what view. Romans uh, 9 is talking about, though? I don't think so. That- uh, where it says uh, that he created some as um, uh, vessels of wrath. Yeah, vessels yeah. of wrath. I make clays the vessels of honorable. And what if God, desiring to show his wrath to make known his power, right, and endurance with much patience, 
right? And so it's this idea that, um, right here, here it is in verse 23, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us, you know, so he's done right. this. He's created vessels of wrath for his glory. And I, I believe he is glorified because um, the people who aren't vessels of wrath have freely chosen not to reject, right? The vessels of wrath could have, but God did create knowing how they would freely choose. So freedom is not violated in any of these passages, libertarian freedom. Um, God simply created knowing how it would all freely happen. Um, but, yeah, so I, I – and I'd also just take a minute and say that Romans 9 does imply, it assumes libertarian freedom, especially in the following verse where it says, Who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, I mean, so imagine if everything was causally determined – then Paul is is saying, I mean, if he's like, like who who? What's he saying? Let me see. Well, what does molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Well, okay, is the molded thing freely saying, why have you made me like this? Or is God like putting his hand in a sock puppet saying, why have you made me like this? You know. <laughs> now, if God is causally determining everything, then then the the molded man is not responsible for any of it. So he's like, who are you, old man, to complain? Well, if God causally determines everything, then God is also causally determining uh, the the molded to say, why have you made me like this to its molder? So first of all, just take a step back and say, this is not, uh, it seems to me that Paul is implying that you ought not freely complain one way or the other. Now, and, and then I just say, regarding libertarian freedom, the same guy that wrote Romans 9 also wrote 1 Corinthians 10.13 and also wrote Galatians 5.13 and also uh, wrote 2 Corinthians 10.5, which I argue entails libertarian freedom, especially when it's compared to Colossians 2.8. You know, so you look at all of Paul's writings together. He's the I, – I, I appeal to Paul more than anybody else to, to affirm a biblical view of libertarian freedom. And so I think way too many people read Romans 9. And say, well, there's no libertarian freedom here. And to the Calvinist who still affirms irresistible grace, if they think that this means that uh, there's no freedom in, de- uh, in salvation issues, I'll say, fine, I'll give you that. I, I don't hold that view. I'll grant it to you. But, it's still, but there's still libertarian freedom at play. So anyway, I don't know if I answered your question. I went off on a rabbit trail. No, yeah, you're good. Okay. Um, no, I, I think that's good. And I was even – my mind went off for a second because I'm like, hey, this could be a good like bonus podcast. Right, true. Uh, you know, just <laughs> we're recording it. You know, yeah. so why not just because uh, it just records That's the fall, So make, hey, yeah. why not uh, just throw it out there? Give but you three weeks. Um, yeah, there we go. Take some so, time hey, off. We just got to talk for another full thirty minutes. <laughs> I, but I stopped the timer, so I don't know where oh, we're man. at. No. <laughs> No, that's good because I just I don't I for me where I am in conflict is and uh, is that I understand and and truly believe in God's freedom or not in God's in our well God has freedom yeah, too yeah, yeah. in our freedom in God not being good forcing something upon us right I talk about in my Why God Allows Evil talk I, I love the illustration that Frank Turk gives of of you know uh, if a guy likes a girl but a girl only likes him as a friend right and the guy goes but I will love you and I, I'm I'm gonna make you mm-hmm. love me and I'm gonna keep inviting you to dances and I'm gonna hang out with you right. And, you know, right the girl finally says if you truly love me you will leave me alone yeah. 
right? And and I true and I think that that does apply to God, and that mm-hmm. God ultimately does send us where we want to go. Yeah. Now that can fit within all the different soteriological views in the sense that the Calvinists will say the unregenerate person will never want God, and then God is giving him what he wants. And the regenerate person will want God, right? And God has kind of given him what he wants. Uh, and so I think that that illustration kind yeah. of fits in with all those views. Except, but it is that idea that God gives us what we want and that he and loves us that. enough to let us go where we want. I, I affirm but, that. I, I say the problem with the exhaustive deterministic soteriological view is that God could have uh, changed everybody's nature to not resist his love and grace. And therefore, and that's where I have an issue. Yeah, of why doesn't he? So that's, so, so this is interesting. Calvinists often squirm when it comes to double predestination and don't want to affirm it. Um, some, some bite the bullet, but, and, and do affirm double predestination, but, uh, double, if double predestination means, double causal determinism, then you've got a problem. But I, as a Molinist, actually affirm double predestination because I affirm predestination of all things across the board all the time. I affirm that God exhaustively predestines all things, and that includes all free actions. Everything that was freely chosen in a libertarian sense was still predestined by God. And so now that... Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I as a Molinist can affirm some things that most Calvinists, in my experience, are very leery of affirming. And I, I'll, I'll walk across that line and say, yeah, I, I do affirm double predestination because I affirm predestination of everything. So that includes mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yes, I think then, you know, so that's where the conflict comes in, in my mind, about, okay, God does, uh, there is an aspect of love, there's a free choice. But then at the same time, I think of, you know, uh, when God wants to get something done, he gets it done. Right. And so and that's where, well, I, you know, he did that. And I, and I say that the Molinists can say that he did that when he said, let there be. Boom. Um, he got it done. So nothing will. <laughs> he created a world in which he knew what exactly will happen according to his plan. Right. Mm-hmm. The reason why he created this world is because it, it was along with his plan. So his plan is never violated by our free actions because whatever you freely do is perfectly in line with those free actions. Are you, uh, are you still getting me? Yeah, I'm still getting you. Your video froze, but your audio is still coming through. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I lost my train of thought there. No, you're good. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that, I mean, that's a conflict that's going on in my mind of, you know, and this is not the same issue, but, you know, I know Greg Coco talks about it and, and the idea of, you know, God speaking to us. And, the, you know, you hear sometimes in, in some circles in Christianity of like, well, you need to learn to hear God's voice. And it's like, no, if God wants to speak to you, he's going to speak to you, right? It's not like God is sitting there trying to talk and there's something that we can do that, you know, that doesn't necessarily hear it. And, and uh, if God wants to get a message through, he's going to get the message through. Right. And, you know, so the, the kind of, you know, paint, you know, what I said earlier, I think some people can kind of paint the picture of, you know, God is like the, the person sitting there, you know, please let me in. I'm trying, I'm trying so hard, you know, come on. And we're like, no, nope, I'm not doing, you know, it's like, you know, so just reconciling right. those views, it seems to kind of limit God, but then at the same time, what God no. does view as important yeah. is human freedom. And so anyways, no, I, I would say, well, I, I say this, whenever God gives us a command, he always makes it possible to obey and obey his command. So for example, when he told Peter to get out of the boat and walk on water, 
he made it possible for Peter to walk on water. And Peter did take a few steps on water before mm-hmm. he uh, freely um, took his eyes off Christ, you know, and he sank. But, but, but Jesus made it possible for him to walk on water, and, and he did, right? So he's not going to give a command to somebody uh, if they do not have the ability to do it. And that doesn't mean they will do it, but they have the ability to do it or not. So, I, I, yeah, God gives us the ability to respond to him uh, or not to resist him. And because we have that ability, we have a responsibility. Uh, but the ability gives a, means you can do X or not X. And I think 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is, I, I have a whole range of scriptures that I go to, but I always start with 1 Corinthians 10, 13 or end with it because I think it's my favorite. Um, because Paul is clear that every time, at least Christians, are tempted to sin, uh, God promises to provide a way of escape. And so it follows, you know, when I'm talking to Christians and I say, okay, raise your hand if you're a Christian and you still sin, at least occasionally, you know, and everybody raises their hand. Yeah, I still struggle with sin. Okay, but but God has promised to give you a way of escape every time you're tempted to sin. And yet you chose, so it follows that you could have done otherwise, right? You did have what God promised, and a way of escape so that you did not have to fall into temptation and you failed to chose it. You had an ability not to sin, but you sinned anyway. Therefore, since you had an ability not to sin, you still have responsibility for your sin. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, I argue that ability entails a responsibility. So th- therefore, when Christians sin, don't say, uh, the devil made me do it. And you better not say, no, God made me do it. I've had some Calvinists say that much. Um, God made me do it, right? He causally determines everything. I'm like, no, you did it. You were responsible for it because you could have done otherwise. So uh, anyway, there you go. No, that's that's your, some bonus content for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I've taken up an hour and a half of your time yeah. now, but I, I appreciate it. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And hey, if this is way over your head, if you are more confused now than when you started, uh, I understand it because I think I am as well. Uh, listening to that even multiple times as I've edited it, um, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to grasp ideas. And so this is something to definitely mull over and think about for quite some time. So hopefully you have a deeper understanding of some different views. Hopefully this has challenged you to think a little bit. Uh, you know, I had some pushback in this interview for him. He pushed back against me a little bit. There are points of agreement. And so this is the fun part of having these sort of conversations. And I'm glad that I can have it in front of you and that I can hopefully help you think through these as I'm thinking through these and as we're kind of on this journey of learning together. So hopefully you enjoyed that interview with Tim Stratton. And again, go check out his ministry at freethinkingministries.com. As I've mentioned a few times also, the next two weeks are going to be interviews that I have already recorded. They're in the queue with Dr. Fazal Rana from Reasons to Believe. Fuzz joined me for two weeks to discuss his new book, Humans 2.0, where we looked at philosophical, theological, and ethical issues and, and perspectives of transhumanism. This idea that we can blend technology and humanity, and where is that kind of ethical line, where we're using technology to get prosthetic legs and to help people hear better and see better. But what happens when we want to start doing human enhancements? What happens when we want to start doing gene editing? And so that was a fun conversation I really enjoyed with Fuzz Rana from Reasons to Believe. And that is going to be the next two weeks. And so definitely check those out. Subscribe to the show as well. I also want to thank you guys, first of all, for the 
stars and the ratings that you have been giving the show on your podcasting app. I just received a message this morning from someone who said, hey, I've been listening to your show and I have a few questions for you. And they wanted some, she wanted some resources. And when this happens, I, I asked her, I said, uh, where, where did you hear about the show? How did you start listening? And her response was that she searched Christianity in iTunes, I think it was iTunes, and found my show because it had five stars. And so right there, there is an example of you all liking this show enough to go take 10, 15, 20 seconds to go click five stars. And I really do appreciate it because only one rating out of all of them has been not five stars. Every other one is five stars. So I love that. But you guys take that time to rate it. And that rating has helped someone else find the show and they have enjoyed it. So thank you so much for doing that. And I want to encourage you to keep doing it. Now, one last thing I do want to mention before I take off is that I have started a Patreon account. This is something that I haven't liked because I raised money as a missionary and I didn't like do it, doing it. But then I realized some people enjoy giving. There are some ministries. I love what they do so much. I just want to help them out. I want to participate with them and partner in that ministry. And so I have launched a Patreon account. You can find it at patreon.com slash Ryan Polly, where you can go and you can partner with me to keep these shows happening. Not that they're going to stop, but over the last few years, I've put out over 130 podcasts, 100 videos on YouTube, 69 lectures this summer, and I've had a lot of fun doing it. So would you prayerfully consider partnering with me? I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and a blessed weekend. Sip coffee, think deeply. This is Coffee House Questions with Ryan Polly. Guide my way.